I just think that more business leaders need to step up, not just say, oh, net zero, net zero by 2050. It's like, no, we need more than net zero. We need yearly commitments. We need PR. We need budgets to go towards marketing and storytelling and partnerships with organizations on the ground that are doing this work. And companies who currently have that capital should be funding that stuff right now if they really want to say that they're committed to climate. Traditional corporate practices got us to a life-threatening climate and unjust society. Changing this trajectory needs bold solutions from diverse thinkers. Welcome to Impact Reimagined, the podcast that helps you discover and envision a future where humanity's greatest problems are solved. I am Dr. Noah Gaffney, Executive Director of the Rutgers Institute for Corporate Social Innovation and your host. Marginalized populations, most often communities of color, are bearing the brunt of the climate crisis. The private sector is largely responsible for environmental destruction, and yet companies rarely engage with these communities. Youth climate advocate Christy Dretman is on a mission to bridge this gap. Her popular multimedia platform, Brown Girl Green, educates and uplifts diverse voices in the environmental space. More recently, Christy launched Green Jobs Board, an online recruitment platform for equity and inclusion within the green economy. Today, Christy shares her vision for a world where companies collaborate to find solutions. On the show, Christy also tells us what organizations and business leaders can do to meaningfully engage in climate justice. In 2013, Christy was a college freshman at UC Berkeley. It was the same year when Typhoon Hyannis unexpectedly hit the Philippines. My family's from the Philippines, and so it all kind of connected the dots for me that climate change wasn't some distant thing in the future, that these patterns were impacting people, even people that like I care about deeply right now. And so I think for me, like that began my journey of wanting to do something about it and taking action. But I would say that always came back to a human rights perspective. And that was pretty much the values I was raised with in my household. I grew up in a Jewish and a Filipino household. And a big principle in both of those cultures is very much centered around giving back to those who have less, thinking about what is the injustice happening in the world in many ways, and the sacrifices that need to be made in order to make things easier for other people's lives. And I think all of those principles being brought up with that really informed, you know, my ideology that when it comes to and advocating for the environment and trying to get more people to care about the environment, you have to bring it back to what matters to them, their values. It has to be a a people-centered approach. Christy began using social media to bring a diversity and inclusion lens to environmental issues. Soon after, she launched Brown Girl Green, a multimedia series focused on educating people about the climate crisis. Bringing a voice and a narrative to environmental issues. So not just like, you know, making explainers or throwing data at people, but actually 
bringing voices and stories to humanize that experience, continuously interviewing really interesting people around the world trying to come up with climate solutions, putting out continuous like environmental education content. We see that Black, Indigenous, and people of color are statistically disproportionately living in the most polluted neighborhoods. They're breathing the worst air. They are drinking the worst water. They are on the front lines of wildfires, disasters, floods, so on and so forth. And so I think if these voices aren't uplifted when it comes to how funds are allocated to address climate change, when it comes to the ways in which certain communities are censored in this conversation or not, it really requires more diverse diversity in order to make sure that those voices get heard and those communities don't get neglected because they already have been so historically disenfranchised. Christie's unique platform soon garnered thousands of followers. But while working independently, Christie struggled to find her place in the environmental sector. I remember how hard it was for me to get a job out of college, even though I like graduated from like a top university in environmental studies, which I think probably had some of the best resources you could think of to try to get a career in this field. And I still was like, I have no clue like what to do. And so I started putting out content, just sharing opportunities and sharing ideas around this concept. And people were just going absolutely wild over it. Like, especially young people, they're like, yeah, like this is so inaccessible. This field is so difficult to break through. It's always the story of like, oh, I got my job because I knew X person and they said this X job. And like, yeah, I get that that's like a general concept with networking, but I think it's especially prevalent in the environmental field when it comes to finding a job that's like actually decent paying, isn't seasonal. And you're working for an organization that like, isn't going to just exploit you or like microaggress you out of their organization. And I would say the issue is that some companies, organizations will do a good job at maybe bringing in diverse talent, but won't retain them because they didn't really do the work to actually create an atmosphere for diverse talent to thrive. And that can be difficult because a lot of these organizations in the environmental field have legacies, have even racist legacies. And that makes, you know, a lot of people of color, like, not really want to work for those organizations. Even though people of color are on the front lines of the climate crisis, the system discourages them to become part of the solution. Christy came up with a simple yet new idea. What if she created a platform to connect diverse populations with a green economy? My next big project, which is the Green Jobs Board, which is a job recruitment platform focused on bringing more Black, Brown, Indigenous, low-income folks with disabilities, et cetera, et cetera, people from diverse backgrounds to actually get jobs in the green economy and the environmental sector. So I think a lot of my work right now is trying to bridge this equity gap when it comes to getting more diverse voices and leadership at the table when it comes to environmental decision-making. Companies and organizations that are now coming to us, it's not like, oh, all of a sudden, if you post through us, all of a sudden, all of those organizations' DEI issues go away. I think we're just making it more accessible for more candidates to know what opportunities are out there. And it allows employers to also understand that there is a growing like diverse demographic. And if they're saying 
that they can't get diverse talent, but yet they're not posting through us where we have reached diverse demographics, then I think that's like a them issue. You know what I mean? We are trying to bridge the gap in this field to at least bring people together, but it's going to require a lot of internal work by companies, organizations that we keep working with and talking with to make sure that they're actually creating the conditions for our job seekers to want to stay in those companies and organizations. And so in terms of not just hiring diverse candidates, but making sure they thrive in an organization, which I 100% agree with, what have you seen that works? I would say what works is like organizations that acknowledge that they're not perfect, first of all, that even if they're mission driven, that like they're going to get things wrong. I think humility and patience is so important when people create a culture around humility patience and active dialogue. It makes people feel safer. It makes people feel like their voice matters no matter what position they're in in like the quote unquote hierarchy of a company or organization. I think having a culture of, hey, like this is how far I know about what needs to be done. But I want to know, like, what is your perspective on this if you don't agree with me? You know, not just like this is the way it is and this is the way it's always been. And we're the same way at the Green Jobs Board and like what we're building. Like, I'm have people that quote unquote work under me, but like, again, I'm like, if you know a better way to do this than me, please tell me. And like, I'm open to that. So I think in order for companies to really do that in a meaningful way, especially in this space, you can't be like, oh, you need to be a 10-year PhD scientist person to know climate. You don't. You don't. Like, yes, maybe some specifics, great. But climate scientists are like, why are people not listening to me anymore? It's because you act like the only people that can talk about this is you. That's why. And I think that like, organizations and companies that want more diverse talent and want to change things and want to shift and mobilize people need to break out of this mold of gatekeeping. Christy believes that the best way for companies to engage in climate justice is through partnerships and collaboration. A lot of companies have so many resources these days and are always trying to figure out, oh, do I just like donate? And it's like, yeah, you could do that or you could make a meaningful partnership with one of these organizations, actually being able to change your profit model to actually making sure that like some of your resources or funding that you're getting as a company is getting redistributed to maybe an environmental justice organization who doesn't have that kind of funding, being able to host events, giving exposure, being able to figure out ways that those organizations can be brought in as experts. And not just as like a charity, but actually experts to consult these companies on how they could do better. And these companies being able to like pay these folks that come from these communities and actually like treating their expertise as expertise, especially if those companies have facilities or operations in those communities. I think a lot of companies, sure, maybe do CSR, maybe are trying to track you know, their ESG goals, things like that. But it's like, are they even addressing like how their actual work is impacting the planet or impacting the communities that they operate within? I don't know. Not all of them do, as history has shown us. And a lot of companies can have a lot of negative impacts that they maybe didn't even realize, whether that's like diverting water for high energy use, taking up land, taking up space, 
maybe putting out marketing messaging that's harmful to certain communities. All of these things, like, I think a lot of companies think they can get away with it with like a really insular set of teams, but it's like they're not bringing in the expertise of actual communities that they're impacting to discuss this with. So I would say companies need to address that neglect and try to figure out how to reshift that power dynamic for sure. One way in which companies can do this is by engaging with diverse voices in the environmental sector, voices like Christie's. I've been invited to a few different companies to come in as an expert where I was able to just basically go through a lot of like their CSR reports or be able to talk to their head of sustainability and give them straight up feedback and be honest and tell them where I think they have some blind spots and then where I think that they could still be making progress and where I think they are doing kind of decently. But they created space for that and they compensated people properly for their time to talk about that. But then I think the other thing, it's not just about listening, it's about action. So it's about asking the community, how can I as a company with all these resources, like, what do you need from me? Is that building a fund? Is that building a program and partnership with you? Is that us like changing our profit model to like helping you all out? Things like that. I think companies have to understand that like, it's just going to make them have a stronger business model and is also going to benefit the communities that they're currently impacting. And how do you choose which companies to engage with? How do you know if they're really responsible? You know, I think that's a complicated gray area, especially with the concept of greenwashing. It's hard to even tell sometimes these days because everyone has their own like North Star of like what that looks like. But I would say that like for me, it's companies that, you know, clearly have labeled like their CSR reports and their product life cycle, also like what their company is doing to give back to communities. If anything, actually seeing proof of that, seeing what the programming has looked like, I would say that that gives companies a lot more bonuses in my book rather than just like, oh, we say we care about these things, but like we don't really do it and we're just going to sell you all these products. Climate justice is this idea that acknowledges that those communities that are on the front lines of the climate crisis will receive adequate attention, resources, and justice for their communities. There has been this historical neglect and marginalization of these communities who are on the front lines of the climate crisis. Climate justice is saying, you know, we are going to acknowledge that pain. We're going to acknowledge the need for redistribution and for helping build more resilience in those communities when it comes to future disasters, pollution, things like that, and actually making sure that there is a lot of actual actions put in place to make sure that that happens. For Christy, addressing climate injustice will require business leaders leveraging resources and collaborating with people on the ground. I think the future is cross-collaboration. I think we're in a point in history where we honestly can't even wait around for government anymore. I think the government's going to do its thing, which is great. But then I think that like a lot of these businesses have so much money and influence and relationships that they have the opportunity to redistribute and to be able to cross collaborate and be able to share that and distribute that. On top of that, like I think people need to identify that 
the ability for us to be currently on a planet that is on fire, frankly, is due to exploitation, extraction, genocide, and the oppression of so many people around the world and the continued exploitation and oppression of those people. And I would say that at a baseline, businesses need to be really honest about that, about their role in that. And I think that that's a thing that only certain business leaders who have a deep consciousness and understanding of their responsibility to the planet and to people will actually take the actions necessary at this time to cutting their own emissions, but also addressing their own supply chains, the issues with it, being responsible about that, and also giving back to communities that are impacted by the work that they do. And so I would say that moving forward, the companies that are brave enough to maybe take risks by being different in that way of saying ESG maybe is not viewed as the most profitable way to go, but it's like, I'm going to make those commitments and I'm going to stick to them and I'm going to take the whatever risk. It's not even that much of a risk because if the climate crisis continues to happen, your business is not going to be profitable anymore, eventually anyway. But I would say like the risk right now to be a leader, to speak up, to do something about this, whatever sector you're in, that like, we're going to take action on this. This is going to be our number one issue area that we care about. And then encouraging other people in your industry to care about it too. It all comes down to like creating that ripple effect. And I just think that more business leaders need to step up and do that. And not just say, oh, net zero, net zero by 2050. It's like, no, we need more than net zero. We need yearly commitments. We need PR. We need budgets to go towards marketing and storytelling and partnerships with organizations on the ground that are doing this work. And companies who currently have that capital should be funding that stuff right now if they really want to say that they're committed to climate. Christy has a message for business leaders wishing to become part of the climate justice movement. Identify the bridge builders in this space, people like myself, people who are thinking about cross-sector collaboration, and again, like treat their expertise with very high regard because we're seeing different dimensions of different groups and dynamics and how they could work together. And I think it's really important for people to identify the bridge builders, to resource the bridge builders, and to figure out how they can play a role in supporting that work that's already been going on for a long time. So I would say companies out there that are listening to this, support environmental justice organizations, research what those are. I would say support initiatives like the Green Jobs Board, like what I'm building right now, because right now we're literally trying to figure out how to create greater exposure to these issues and to try to promote companies that are values aligned, but maybe people don't know about them. And definitely, if you are a bridge builder yourself in one of these companies, make that known. Embrace that because it's so necessary right now. Like Christy mentioned, bridge builders exist both within and outside of your organization. I hope that this episode encourages you to go find those innovators, especially if they come from underrepresented communities affected by climate change. If 
you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to Impact Reimagined so you don't miss out on new episodes. Please also rate and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Impact Reimagined is produced by the Rutgers Institute for Corporate Social Innovation and Human Group Media. If you want to learn more about our work at Rutgers, visit rixie.business.rutgers.edu.